Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. The sellout with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hello and welcome into The Sellouts. I'm Mitch Sherman. Max Olson is with me live and in person on this sunny Thursday morning after Max, what, nine hours of live radio you did this morning here in Omaha? Uh, this is, uh, I got up at 4.40 this morning, Mitch, so this will, uh, this will not be my finest performance, but we're going to get through it, man. We're gonna, we're, we can, can handle this. I can hear the excitement in your What's voice. What's one more half hour? Oh, exactly, exactly. You can go hear <laughs> Max's... Four hours of radio this morning, somewhere I'm sure, with the sixteen, the twenty, the Zone Boys. But uh, I'm sure they've got a they've got a podcast or a stream or something like that. But uh, more importantly, today on our pod, we are excited to bring back our absolute favorite guest of all time. With apologies to Bruce Feldman, who was with us last week, and all the others who have graced us with their presence over the past six months. Max, we've been doing this for almost six months. Can you believe that? Wow. And another six months, it still will not be football season. Ugh. That's why you cruel. Got, why you got to bring me down, man? Why, why you got to right. do that? Anyway, with us on the phone today is the mysterious man commonly known as Faux Polini, and that's F-E-A-U-X. Faux, hello, how are you? I'm doing great, and that's quite an introduction, Mitch. I, that's what keeps me coming back on the podcast is, is words like that. So I'm doing great. Good to be back. I must ask, how excited are you to be back in the big time? Back, back, you're back in the SEC alongside your alter ego, Bo Pelini, who was hired last week as the LSU defensive coordinator. This just must be, must be uh, an incredible moment for Phil. <laughs> it's quite a moment for us. We're, we're very proud of all we've done, and we're, we're proud of getting to this point. Together, we Bo and I worked very hard and uh, put in the time. No, I I did not see this one coming. I started to see rumors about you know that LSU was interested, and then I saw the little denial by Bo, so I thought that was put to bed. And then I just sort of for a joke the week before changed the you know the the name whatever on uh, Twitter to Faux Plenty, not the actual handle but the name to F E A U X. Yes, and it's a genius uh, move. Just as a joke, and then it actually happened. So I guess it is a cool thing to have Bo back in the crosshairs. A little so, so Fo, you know, certainly, I'm wondering how, how did you find out that that this was actually coming real? I, I assumed, like, I just assumed you got a call from Ed Orgeron during the interview process to sort of, you know, give a character reference here. But how did you find out this was happening? Yeah, Coach Orgeron gave me a call, and we, we talked it through and decided that this would be best for Bo and to give Bo this opportunity. So I gave the green light and uh, told him, you know, I'd be, a, I'd be a reference and that we'd move, we'd be ready to make the move. And then he called Bo from there, um, as far as I know, as far as the world knows. Now, um, <laughs> what, what actually happened is that I was just at work and got a text from our pal Stu. That's how I actually found out. Yes. That, uh, that he got hired and um, Stu Mandel said, Hey, looks like you have, you're going to have some, some stuff to do or something along that line. So I jumped in and the rest was history. I was surpri- as surprised as everybody else. Leave it to Stu just to like, you know, think about this as a work thing. He probably like was demanding a, you know, a column from you or something like that on the, uh, on the hire. Uh, are you, how is this, is this going to affect your, you know, the, your content that you provide for the athletic? I mean, are you going to be writing about LSU now? 
Um, has you expect uh, like an uptick in the number of questions that you get for your yeah. weekly advice column during the season? You're write about to, like your experiences with SEC bagmen and things like that. Like, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> I think there. I'm looking at it as a good thing. There's all kinds of you know potential content content that's there. I don't think it's going to change. You know, stuff like the advice column. I think will probably be you know the same. Although it may change the nature of some questions I get. You know that there's been a lot of Nebraska questions. There'll probably be more LSU questions. I think I picked up a few thousand uh, LSU followers during the past week or two. So that <laughs> will probably yeah. <laughs> change change life a little bit. Um, yeah, we'll probably sprinkle in you know some some LSU stuff. Uh, I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't completely sorted out what that will be. Sometimes. Sometimes we can overthink Twitter, you know, it, it's just Twitter and it's whatever dumb thing we want it to be. But, um, you know, in terms of actual game days uh, on Saturdays in the, in the fall, you know, I'm, everybody knows I'm a Nebraska fan, um, you know, not an LSU fan, although I have nothing against the program or the team or anything, but I don't know how I'll be, I don't know how that's going to play out. I really haven't figured out how I'm going to split my time, um, you know. That is that is to be determined. I'm curious what you think with the return of uh, of of Bowfence here coming to LSU to to see him take over that talented of a team down in Baton Rouge, the defending national champions. Like, do you think just from a career perspective, this is this is a good move for for Bo? Are you excited to see him kind of uh, take a step in this direction? Yeah, I mean, putting the uh, putting the the Twitter. Um, implications aside for a second, just thinking about it from a career perspective for him, I think it's potentially not just a good move. I think it's a great move. I mean, think about like, he's always been able to coach defense. It's been a little while since he's been in charge of a big time defense, big time division one defense, but you know, the, the things that have been a challenge for him are things like, you know, that go along with being a head coach, you know, some of the, the stuff about the CEO role, it didn't seem like he really, loved it it didn't seem like he was particularly good at it you know dealing with the media and the questions and you know that that whole thing obviously but you know he's always been able to coach defense and more specifically he's been really good at taking like great players great collections of players on defense and making them elite players you know and creating elite defenses he had a couple of defenses in there a couple of years in nebraska days where he took some pretty good talent and made them just complete monsters. And he's kind of struggled with, you know, it seems like he struggled with, you know, taking pretty good players and making them really good. Um, That's never been his sweet spot. You know, Nebraska kind of, once the talent started to drop off, he struggled a bit and, you know, that's not going to be a problem at LSU. I mean, he's already got elite talent that he's stepping into there. And I think he'll be able to, I mean, this is exactly his sweet spot, you know, uh, designing defenses and motivating defenses that already have great talent and putting them in great positions. I mean, this could be really great for him. I mean, you know, it, I don't think, I don't think the game has changed that much, much that anything's passed him by. I think this will be, I think this will be really good for him. I think that's a good theory. I think, I think your, your analysis about Bo and his ability to coach up talent is spot on. But I, what I, what I really wonder is, do you think that he's going to fall into a trap where he he allows people to record him when he doesn't know that it's happening like his audio (laughs) 
Well, here's the thing. Like he's got to he's got to be careful about the interviews he does, especially these days. He's got to assume everybody's watching him, which is a really scary thought. Um, that is the world today. Yeah, that that is the world. Although that's a reality show I would watch, the Bo Show, if we could make that happen. <laughs> but you know, something he has going for him is he is still. I assume his temper is intact. We haven't really seen it much the last couple of years, but I assume he's got that going for him still. But he's got a very captive audience down there. I mean, the maniac LSU fans who I love want to see that. And they'll, they will, you know, that kind of fire and brimstone craziness, they just think is a sign of a good coach who cares and has passion. You know, there's not a lot of, not a ton of political correctness down there. And he can, he can do his thing and he can, uh, he can, you know, he can say whatever he wants into whatever microphone they shove in his face and everybody. Yeah. The very, the, the very sad thing about that is that coach O really, really limits the availability of his assistant coaches, even his coordinator. So Max, you could probably speak to this better than me, but I mean, we're not going to hear a lot from Bo, right? This, this is going to be a challenge for foe because we're not going to hear much from Bo, even though he's in this highly visible position. Unless, unless uh, coach O changes the way that he makes his coordinators available. What is it like once or twice a year? I I'm guessing, just totally guessing here. I imagine Bo would. I am more than happy to be the voice of Bo Pelini then, because <laughs> if he can't speak to the media and if he's available, that's something that we gotta, you know, that's something that that's a void that's got to be filled, and I'm happy to step up to that challenge. Um, that'll be a shame. I mean, it's too bad if we're if Coach O is going to rob the world of Bo Pelini interviews. I get it though, but you know. I'll do what I can to, to help us all. It, it definitely builds anticipation for their next playoff run because I think that's probably the one time when he's guaranteed to talk is leading up to those deals. But, Fo, what, what, what is your actual familiarity, your history with uh, the great state of Louisiana? Have you ever been there? I have been there. I've been to uh, New Orleans a few times. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, I've never been to an LSU game, although I've been talking to a couple friends about you know, we might need to put this on the calendar so I can see the insanity for myself firsthand. It's something I'd really yes. like to do. Um, but uh, my my experience is limited to being in New Orleans a, a few times and eating good food and drinking good drinks and getting fat over the course of a weekend. If you go, if you go to an LSU game, make sure you go to a competitive SEC game because I think everybody has this impression of Tiger Stadium, especially at night, as this insane uh, atmosphere. And it is like when they're playing Auburn or Alabama, but it's not when, for instance, they played Arkansas last year. Or I- I've been to one LSU game, and it was uh, it was uh, like like a and this was like in the Odell Beckham Jar- Jarvis Landry years, and it was against a, a directional school. <laughs> And it was it was not what I was expecting. So if you go, just my advice to you: if you want to if you want to get the real sense, you know, you're gonna have to pay more, uh, but you want to go. Well, I mean, you'll get in free, I'm sure. But you're 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 I mean, it's your foe. But uh, you you want to go to a to a real big time SEC um, atmosphere uh, type of game. That is my uh, that is my you know, wisdom you know, for you. you. Know what's fu- that, you know what's funny about this too is like you think about it like Bo, Bo having not coached at the FBS level here in the past few years, 
Um, it's been quite a while since he was at Nebraska. Like, this is really going to piss off Nick Saban that he doesn't like have all this tape of what Bo Pelini is going to try to do against him, right? Like, I think it it makes Bo like a pretty fun wild card in not just the ACC, but like kind of the whole national race this year. You think Saban's going to be watching Youngstown State film? I, he should. I'm sure. I'm sure he has all sorts of minions in his office that have already broken it all down. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's got. You know, it, it's it, it's really interesting to think about that. That he's got. I mean, he's been able to do certain things at Youngstown. And I guess that ex- exposes what his current thinking is. But it's been a while since he's had. You know, been able to direct the kind of talent that LSU has. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be really fun to see what he does. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'd love to see that up close and in person as well. But um, you know, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to work hard, you know, since he's not gonna be doing as many interviews, I mean he's gonna have to work hard to make his to express himself visually on the sidelines, which he's also good at doing. But, you know, throwing things, you know, jumping up and down, choking players, whatever Whatever's got to happen. Since you've already declared that you 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 know you want to set foot inside um, Death Valley there in Baton Rouge, um, I'm curious what do you think your tweeting habits will be like in the season? Because at Youngstown it was easy; they, they were very much out of the spotlight. You know, there was maybe one game in Bo's years there that people paid attention to, and that that was when. They played for the the FCS championship. I don't know if if even during that, if you you know you sat and watched that game and 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 uh, did your thing. But at LSU, I mean, they're they're going to be top of the mind in college football certainly next year, coming off of a championship. Do you think you're you know you're going to like are you going to like double screen it like Nebraska on one TV, LSU on the other, and and I mean it could get really confusing, but also quite fun. I think there's got to be. I mean. There's no question I've got to have some sort of LSU presence and involvement. And, you know, I've said, like, I, I, I'll have to become a part-time fan or something. I don't know what the Saturday game days are going to look like. I think there's going to be some version of split-screen action. I'll have to think about not confusing the two games, you know, if I'm watching Nebraska at the same time as I'm watching LSU. Um, I mean, I if think you you'll do confuse them, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe they're if they're going through the same stuff, that same tweets can apply to each thing, but... Um, yeah, I don't, I gotta tell you, I haven't totally sorted out what that's gonna, what, the, what that's gonna look like other than Saturdays are going to be more busy than ever. I think this coming year. So, so Fo, we, we, last time we checked in with you, it was, I think late in the season as we were talking about, is Nebraska going to make a bowl game or not? Just want to you know, check in as always from your, your, your vantage point, your, your, your point of view. What, where's your psyche at with, uh, 2020 Nebraska football and, this painfully long off season. How how are you feeling about uh, you know the state of things? Well, you know, like everybody else, not great. Just in terms of how the year ended, how it played out. I think hopes were a little higher, and we would have got more accomplished than um, than we did. But what I try to do is remember where we were, you know, where everyone was, whether they admit themselves or not. Like in around, you know, in July and August hopes were kind of getting high. People were starting to get excited about it, especially because Martinez was, you know, we thought we were getting something different than we got, but really it's, you know, being the year that it was, it was, if we're honest with ourselves, it was still a throwaway year, you know, 2019 wasn't going to be a year that Nebraska was going to win, you know, contend seriously for the big 10 title. At least I didn't think so. So 
let's be honest now, like we were honest with ourselves then, it was a it was still a building year, still Frost getting his guys in place and getting his system in place and that kind of stuff. So in that sense, I'm trying to talk myself into this, but in that <laughs> sense, does it really matter? Did it really matter in 2019 whether they won three, four, five, six, seven, eight games? Not really. Like it was going to be one of those numbers. And what really matters is. <laughs> I think it mattered. And I'll give I'll give the same speech next year, by the way, if it happens again. But you know what really matters is you know growth, improvement, and that kind of stuff, um, which we didn't see enough of that either. So I don't know where that leaves us. I'm back to being. I'm not optimistic yet. Give me. Give me till probably July and August, and I will have re-brainwashed myself. I'll be excited about it. But, you know, the recruiting class seems fine. You know, the, you know, Martinez had an off year, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I don't know. Hard, hard to say, but it, it's hard really to have any bearings about where things are other than, you know, it's, it's too soon to judge Frost, I think. I don't know if it's better to be delusional about Nebraska and 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 be aware that you're that you are delusional, like you seem to be, or or to just be completely unaware as you go through the off season and then you get to July and you're like eleven wins, man. But uh, it's good. I, I think I think I, I think your current state is is uh, is more healthy than than what we see from from some people around here who you know who are just like. They, you know, the tip. They've reached the tipping point in the off season now. It's February. They're going downhill, and it's going to be twelve wins or bust by uh, by the time uh, camp opens in August. So, <laughs> this, um, this is this is what like 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 last night. You you hear um, uh, Scott Frost talk about the recruiting class, and he talks about how Omar Manning and Xavier Betts are like just some of the best looking wide receivers he's ever had, and they're NFL guys. And I think for a lot of for a lot of people that are like you know, trying to get through this winter and stuff. They're just like, put it in my veins. Here we go. We're good again. You know, like it's, it's easy to just take that and, uh, take that and run with it. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know, sort of set the, the bar extremely high uh, year after year, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. And that's what we all want to hear. And that leads to the, you know, I think expectations are, I've always thought expectations are a good thing, um, for a program, you know, it, it creates the ceiling. So why not have that ceiling as high as you can go? As long as, as long as, like you said, Mitch, as long as you're knowingly delusional and you realize that you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you decide to do that because it's fun, there's nothing wrong with that. Many, many of us do that, but you know, it, it is the year. It does feel like this year is the first year where there's no kind of do-overs. You know, if, if it's still, if we're still looking at four or five wins this year, then we got something else uh, to think about. But if we get back to the seven, eight, nine win window this year, then it's just, you know, it will, uh, the, the deal, the plan will have worked, you know, or it will be working. So I don't know. I like, uh, I like it, Phil. I like your thinking. We will uh, check back with you in a few months to gauge your optimism this off season. Maybe by that point you will have, you, you will be unaware past the point of, uh, of, of the self-aware delusional state. Um, look forward to that conversation. Yeah. Look forward to that. Look forward to seeing more from foe on uh, social media about the return of Bo Pelini to big time college football. Thank you so much for being with us today and uh, enjoy the, the rest of the winter. You got it. Thanks guys. Hey, thanks Foe. All right. We want to thank foe. 
always great to talk to our bud, Fopolini. Um, Max, before we finish, big story this week on The Athletic, your annual re-rank of a recruiting class. This year, you looked at the 2016 recruiting classes nationally. Um, I, I think it's really interesting to go back and assess those things. And if, if you go back, if, if you look at it, it posted earlier this week on the athletic and you want some insight into why Clemson plays for the national championship every year. I think this is a, this is a good one to look at. I was astounded by the tiger's hit rate, which is a category that you um, have, uh, have cooked up when you do these, these recruiting revisited pieces. So what, you know, how do you apply this to Nebraska um, clearly there have been issues with yeah, Nebraska recruiting yeah. classes in recent years as the Huskers have navigated coaching changes and other, other, um, disturbances, but w- what were your main takeaways from this piece as they relate to Nebraska? Yeah. So, so first of all, you know, the, the, the post itself, if you go read it, it, it lists the top 25 and it, it lists the 10, um, kind of runner-ups, the honorable mention schools. Nebraska is not on any of those lists, okay? Um, in order to do just a little inside baseball here, uh, in order to figure out what the top 25 is, you know, you've, you've got to go through a lot of teams, but I, I can't, I don't have time to go through 130, okay? So for this one, I went through uh, 65 recruiting classes from the 2016 class, mostly Power 5, some some really good group of five programs. And of the 65, uh, Nebraska finished 60th in the uh the class re-rank here uh, with a hit rate of about 50%. Uh, the, the adjusted class average was 2.13, uh, which is one of the worst. You have to get to about 2.6 to, to make the top 25. And you look at that class and, and look, certainly some good players came out of it. That's the Lamar Jackson class, uh, Matt Farniak, like you, you know, JD Spielman. Um, they've, they've gotten some really solid contributors from it. Um, it's just the number of players who've left the program from that class. And it's, and it's a big number. Obviously this was not a, a Scott Frost class. This was a Mike Riley class. You go through transition. That's going to happen. That's not a surprise, but um, you know, I think, I think the thing with Nebraska, you know, it, you don't, you don't get a, a big class average by, you know, producing all these all Americans. You just have to produce multi-year starters and guys that stay in your program and graduate uh, in order to do well in these re-ranks. And, and Nebraska just hasn't been able to do that with some of these classes where you have just too many guys, uh, you know, too big of an exodus of players over the course of these four years. And, and that's the same is going to be true for the 2017 class for Nebraska. So uh, part of it is, is kind of getting that under control. And then, and then the other thing that stands out, I mean, what do you th- what do you think of where Minnesota ended up on this thing, Mitch? Yeah, it was the top ten, right? It, it, six is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, number number seven, right in between Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, I, I, that's incredible. I mean, and and that was uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was and, a and uh, Iowa at sixteenth there too. Tracy yeah. Clay's Tracy Clay's class because PJ came the next year, so it it speaks to yeah. what PJ Fleck has done with the the holdover talent. Um, and Nebraska actually has done all right with the holdover talent from 2016. It has not done all right with the holdover talent from 2017, the year before Scott Frost arrived. When you do this exercise next year, Nebraska is not going to be 60th. Nebraska may not be in the top hundred, I, which which means I, yeah. I don't even know that you, if you're going to you're going to look at them. Um, there is one starter right. from the 2017 class. Uh, right now in the program, and that's Brendan Hymas. And there are a few other guys like Austin Allen who have a shot uh, as seniors to to uh, 
you know, to get into that category, perhaps just get a little bit of life, inject a little bit of life into that 2017 class. But it is almost an entirely lost class. No, no offense to, to Hymas, who's a multi-year starter at, at left tackle. Well, and, and, and yeah, and you yeah, can't have one. And you guy. have to keep perspective about that. You, the, 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 and you have to keep perspective. The, the fact is, when you have a class or two or or, or three, um, where you don't. You don't have those kind of the, the results you need to to be successful. Think about the pressure that puts on the next class and, and the class after that of guys having to play as true freshmen, guys not you know maybe not totally developing to their full potential because they're thrown into the fire right away. Um, you know, asking you know frankly asking an Adrian Martinez to be a leader of the team as a freshman and as a sophomore, right? Like they're just they're I think it you know we've mentioned this over the course of the season as, as we were sort of trying to wrestle with explaining this Nebraska season but um there's a there's a lot of after effects and aftershocks of that when you have a couple classes that that really go bust and and I, I think we've certainly seen uh, Nebraska feel that here over the last two years yeah aftershocks is a good way to describe it it's like an earthquake when there's a coaching change and and <laughs> you know you just keep getting rocked by it for for uh, months and years to come. So go check out that story. Super interesting read um, from a national perspective uh, on, on recruiting. Um, you can find it on The Athletic. Max wrote it this week. It posted earlier this week. We've uh, got nothing else for you today. Our thanks to Faux Pellini. The second signing day has come and gone. Nebraska added nothing to its group of 23 scholarship signees who joined the program in December. You can read about the early enrollees, the nine scholarship guys and four walk-ons. Uh, who are and, and those who are likely to make an immediate name for 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 themselves, uh, other superlatives for the early enrollees on the athletic site and app. That story posted Thursday. Uh, I wrote that. Um, go to theathletic.com slash the sellouts. That's our show for forty percent off an annual subscription to the athletic. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's free. Have a great finish to your week, weekend, whatever it is while you're listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.